This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. I'm frankly not quite used to it. I was getting ready to say, hey, this is the Dan Grosser Show with Maria Marino filling in. That is really, truly what it is. But hello, hello. Welcome in. Maria Marino here with you until 9 o'clock. And really excited to be making my solo debut. By the way, Julian and Chantel joining me. Happy to have you guys here. I've been on this station now a few times, co-hosting with Jake Asman. So shout out to Jake. Filled in for DNR during Christmas week. So that was a good time. But yeah, first time first time riding solo. So uh, go easy on me. If you want to give me a call a little bit later, the number is 800-919-ESPN, 800-919-3776. Please be nice. Uh, I want to say a quick thanks, by the way, to Michael K for the shout out in the lead up to this program. Michael, Don, and Peter all have been amazing to me. Anytime I've ever interacted with them, just super cool, super supportive, and I've always been just really thankful. So you can imagine how excited I am to host the show. Been a fan of ESPN New York for a decade now and a regular listener. Now, if you don't know me, from hosting in the past. You might know me from my current day job at Action Network, where I host all kinds of digital shows and podcasts. And prior to that, I was at SNY for nearly five years. So you might know me from there. Um, But always loved sports radio. Got my career started in sports radio at Sirius XM. So again, just super excited to be along with you. And if you do know me, you probably know that Basketball is my favorite, so that's where we're going to start. Not sure why I went with like a weird accent there. That was purely accidental, but um, but yeah, it is my favorite. So we'll start we'll start with the Knicks here because I know I'm not the only one. I am pleasantly surprised by the Knicks right now, and it's not because I didn't expect them to be good this season. They are they're a contender, I believe. Um, I'm not ready necessarily to put them in that top tier a la Celtics, but but they're up there. And watching the game last night against the 76ers, what a great game. I mean, it wasn't the Knicks' best game by any stretch, but they led wire to wire. They withstood the storm of Tyrese Maxey scoring 35, and I found that very impressive. I mean, the Sixers, even without Joel Embiid, are a really good team. And <laughs> I think what I love the most about it is that Jalen Brunson didn't even play his best, and the Knicks still won. I mean, it wasn't a Brunson game, if you will. And I mean that as a compliment, because he's normally just so fantastic. But, you know, he struggled a bit from the field, didn't make a three, seven turnovers, which is a bit uncharacteristic, but yet the Knicks held on. And I was also really impressed with the role players, and in particular, Precious Achua. Huh, Precious Achua. I have to say, when the Knicks received Precious Achua as part of the deal with Toronto, I was like, I I didn't know. I did not know (laughs) Precious Achua. I am so glad I know him now. This guy, what a steal. Only 24 years old, last night, 18 points. 11 rebounds, was just 
absolutely phenomenal. And we all know that the Knicks are dealing with their own injuries still. Julius Randle is going to be a bit before he gets back. OG Ananobi. Maybe we'll even see Mitch Robinson back before the end of the season. But they're they're doing what they need to do. I mean, I know they lost the four straight heading into the All-Star break. And they essentially limped into the All-Star break. Because in addition to the injuries that I just mentioned, you had, you know, Isaiah Hartenstein go down. You had Dante DiVincenzo go down. So, yeah. They were they were really banged up, and they needed a break in a big way. But that's how you wanted to start coming out of the break. Just go into Philly. And how about that home court advantage or lack thereof for the 76ers? It's, it's so interesting hearing Jalen Brunson um, talk on the Roommates show. That's the podcast that he has now with Josh Hart. He talked about how a lot of places have good Knicks fan bases. Like, even going on the road, it's not necessarily, like, a big deal. He talked about Miami as one of them, Philly for sure. I mean, when you have the Villanova stars and former national champs on the Knicks, what do you expect? So I thought that helped a lot. But I have to say... (laughs) I wasn't expecting to hear MVP chants on the road in Philly when Brunson went to the line. That was wild. But look, every one of these wins is so important when it comes to the playoff race and and how the Knicks do here down the stretch. Interestingly, Cleveland is right there. In fact, they're above Milwaukee at the moment. I'm not sure that's going to last. I think Milwaukee might figure some things out here. And they got a a big one tonight against Minnesota. So that should be interesting. But do I think for a moment that the Milwaukee Bucks are not going to be a threat to the Knicks in the East? Absolutely not. I'm actually a little curious. I heard Tim Legler was talking about the Knicks as a threat to the Celtics in the East. So I'm, I'm curious what he had to say. I might as well play that sound right now. If Julius Randle comes back and he makes it back and he looks like Julius Randle the way he's played this year, I'm going with the Knicks. The depth that they have, how much, how hard they compete, they wear you out because they are just not going to give you space. You're going to have to kill them to put them away. And now they've got enough supplemental offense around Jalen Brunson. If they didn't make the, that trade and it was really just Brunson and Randall, I wouldn't feel this way because of the inconsistency of Julius Randall in the playoffs previously. But when you go out and you add firepower, you add a Birch, you add a Bogdanovich, and these guys have playoff experience collectively, they can make shots. They can give you a 15 to 20 point game in a playoff game in a big spot. They've added two of those guys. I love the depth now around their top players. If Randall makes it back, I'm going to say the Knicks. Hmm. Strong words. Strong words. Um, Yeah, I'm still not ready to go there quite yet. And a bit later in the show, I'll break down a bit more as to why. What what I think separates a team like the Celtics or the Bucks um, or even Minnesota from a, a team like the Knicks. I'll get to that in a moment. But the point that he did make, which I want to which I want to drive home, is just the smart trades that the Knicks made and 
Funny enough, the last time I was on this air, like I said, Christmas week, and it was right before this trade to get OG Ananobi and, and Precious Achua. And it's so funny. I wouldn't have initially included Precious in that. I would just just called it, excuse me, just called it the OG trade. But now I got to put some respect on Precious Achua's name. Um, but, you know, at the time, like right before that trade, you all remember, the Knicks were playing OKC, and I was a little disappointed in Tom Thibodeau's usage of Emmanuel Quickly and R.J. Barrett. And what is so nice about the moves that the Knicks have made is they fit, the pieces fit exactly to what Tom Thibodeau loves. He loves length. He loves defense. And and these players, not only do they have the size, the IQ defensively, they're buying into the system. They can make shots. And their threats, you know, especially OG Ananobi when he was playing from deep. So it's just so refreshing to see Tom Thibodeau now finally have the team coming together that I feel like he was envisioning ever since he took this Knicks job. And, you know, the Knicks have made do up till now. And last season for sure was was a complete revelation with, with getting Jalen Brunson. But they needed more. Clearly, otherwise um, they wouldn't have exited the last postseason when they did. And these are the types of of players that you need. And I do agree with Legler in in the depth piece. As soon as we get some of these guys healthy, that's going to be just everything. But until then, you know they got the Celtics tomorrow, and I don't have high expectations. No, this matchup isn't going to be any sort of preview of, of what either of these teams, frankly, are going to look like in the postseason. But it's just that idea of, you know, every game mattering. It's nice the Knicks will be at home. And I'm curious, you know, the, the, the fight that they put up. But the Celtics, they really found something. I was skeptical coming into this season. I was skeptical of losing Marcus Smart. I was even skeptical of adding Kristaps Porzingis. But so far, it's looked pretty good. And Porzingis especially, he just creates a matchup problem. So, um, you know, the Knicks certainly hurting, especially at that center position. Hartenstein's been great, but only 11 minutes last night. So I'm... I'm curious, you know, how he continues to progress working back from the injury that he had. But what I what I really am happy about is, like I said, the the front office and the transformation that has happened. It's been a process, but it has come to a point where these Knicks are respectable. I think other players now are going to even want to come here in the future if you win a championship this year, great. Like I said, I'm not quite ready to to expect that quite yet. But you do want to make that next step. You know, winning a playoff series last season, that's huge. That is huge. I mean, for a an organization that was largely unsuccessful for 20-ish years, I mean, I can't say it enough. And so now, all right. Are they going to take the next step? 
I absolutely believe that they can. And what it all starts with is Jalen Brunson. We know that. Protect Jalen Brunson at all costs because um, he has shown that he can play with anybody. He has shown that he can lead this team. He's He doesn't back down from anybody. He's just a leader. And, like, in a somewhat understated way, I would say. You know, he's not obnoxious. He gets a little loud time and again. Um, you saw him get a little fired up last night in Philly. But otherwise, like, he is just – he's he's everything the Knicks could have wanted. And what is even more interesting is how he left Dallas because he divulged that a little bit more um, this week. He was on a podcast called All the Smoke. And you may have heard him talking about this. It's how um, how he actually wanted to stay with Dallas. I'm going to divulge a little bit more on that after the break. I want to I want to save that. This is what I call an, an extended tease um, because I think it is just a, a really important conversation, and I really want to get into it as far as. The, that whole dynamic with him and the Mavericks before he came here, you know, it's not like he was necessarily the the top free agent that anyone everyone was gunning for, but clearly, clearly it has worked out. So we are going to get into that a little bit more after we take my first break of the program. I'm I'm told this is called the Maria Marino show. Like I said, I'm I'm still getting a little bit used to that. It's Maria Marino filling in for Dan Grassa here on ESPN New York and 98.7 FM. Hey, just so you know, phone lines are open. 800-919-ESPN. 800-919-3776. Like I said, only call if you're going to be nice, okay? It's my first show. Take it easy. Uh, and hopefully we'll get a call or two after this. And like I said, I'm going to get into a little bit more about Jalen Brunson. We'll actually hear him on that podcast, All the Smoke. So don't go anywhere, guys. So before the break, I was talking about how Jalen Brunson went on this podcast, All the Smoke, and talked about how he actually wanted to stay in Dallas. And I find this really fascinating. So I'm going to play some of that sound right now. I really did want to stay in Dallas. I think before my fourth season in Dallas, my last season in Dallas, we tried to extend the most we can get was like four years and 55 million. And so obviously we wanted to do that. I wanted to stay there. I, th- I thought I would be there for a long time and uh, I liked my role there. It's funny because my agent was like, you can get more, you can get more. I'm saying like, well, like I just I want to be safe. Like, I'm not trying to gamble right now. This is not something mm-hmm. you really gamble with if it's out there. They were like, we want to see where we're at uh, like 20, 25 games into the season. But uh, we were like, all right, well, if we're not going to do it, I kind of don't want to do it until after the season. I'm not trying to think about this. During the season, right. Yeah, so there's a period where Luca went out and I started to start. I was playing really well. I think I was averaging like 20 and like six maybe. And so we went back. We're like, hey, like if the deal's there, we're thinking about it. Like, I'll do it. Like right now, and still it was no. It wasn't a hard note. It was just like, we want to see, we want to see. So I'm so like, this was Dallas. This is Dallas. Uh, it's still in Dallas. Okay. Trade deadline comes. I'm like thinking, like, all right, well, if, the, if I'm not getting extended, I'm probably going to get traded. Probably. I think the way I've been playing, like, there's just like, I'm playing somewhat decent. And so that didn't happen. And yeah, so like the, the deal came on the table after the trade deadline. I was like, I, I no, I, th- I think I've outgrown that now. 
You sure did, Jalen. Sure did. And what I find so interesting about that is because <sighs> coaches and, and even fans, like, you don't necessarily know the true potential of somebody until they really get a chance to play. And he was happy in Dallas. He was happy backing up Luka Doncic. And it wasn't until, you know, Luka got hurt and particularly in the playoffs where people saw Jalen as this starting point guard. And look, we talk all the time about Villanova players, right? And and the reason I have always been a fan, and this is long before we had Jalen and, and the others on the Knicks, is they were so well coached. A lot of times they would stay four years, obviously championship experience. If you would look at like their percentages, very fundamentally sound, just super smart players. So like I was not surprised in the slightest to see Jalen Brunson being a highly successful NBA player, but he's at another level now. He is an all-star now, and he probably should have been an all-star last year. I would even go so far as to say he's at that MVP. He's on the cusp of that MVP conversation. Uh, I mean, certainly you were hearing the MVP chants last night for good reason. I mean, he's certainly the MVP of this team. But what this also says it, it further supports how the Knicks got a steal. And I would also say this too. He wouldn't have wanted to come here. He wouldn't have started per- perking his eyes and ears up about the Knicks had it not been for Julius Randle already being here. Yes, that's right. I'm going to give Julius Randle a bit of credit here. Julius Randle came here well before. In fact, he signed in 2019, which is the same year that a few other big free agents in that class, yeah, I'll go ahead and say it, KD and Kyrie, didn't want to sign here and signed with the Brooklyn Nets. So I have to give credit. Julius Randle started this whole thing, and he helped lead the Knicks to their first playoff appearance in eight years and he actually was playing like an MVP that season. So do not forget it. This was a, a critical step in, I mean, a, apart from the uh, familial ties, we'll call them. Uh, and, of course, Jalen having a, a history here, being from here and all of that. But he he would not have wanted to come here had it not been for seeing the potential And Tom Thibodeau is a real big part of that, too, for sure. Okay, so I told some people to call, and there are a lot of people calling. So (laughs) I think I'm going to go ahead and at least take my first phone call, and I want to go to Jose and BK. Hey, good evening, Maria. Long time no talk. Um, (laughs) um, We we spoke on, um, like, literally the last time you were on here where – you were with uh, with Jake Asman, and this was right before the trade, and we were talking about it, and you had um, Jerry Ferrara on, uh-huh. which was a great show. And you know, to me, I, I'm very I'm very excited about about the uh, about the Knicks. It's more of you know trying to contain the enthusiasm because you 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 know me. I, I, I'm a person that you know I, I listen to the radio. I know how sports media goes. I know how the narrative works and. You know, and I know when certain people have access to certain superstars and when certain trades don't go down, 
we can see the agenda forming up day by day and, you know, the, the finger pointing and everything that kind of happened was just a little too, too ridiculous where, where, where at the end of the day, you know, the next team was still a very young team still developing. And when we showed the patients, it actually showed fruition. But now since we're at the point where it's like, hey, what, how can we get to that next step? We made we made a great very true trade because the precious Achua thing is not just a throw was not just a throw in. He was the guy that I was also looking at as a guy that said, "Hey, who can be the guy that can give us rebound production and even if they don't give us points, we can still make up the points from other, you know, key players." And now you're seeing with the addition of Bojan and, you know, Alex Burke and, you know, we kind of have that scoring to kind of supplement just in case if, you know, Randall is not either 100% or, you know, Jalen Brunson does have an off game, we can still have enough offensive firepower to replace those points. So I'm ecstatic for it. Yeah. And like you said about Jalen Brunson, he's fantastic. He's a superstar. Uh, I'm, at this point, like, I'm so glad that he came in and uh, be, he became the point guard that we've been pretty much missing ever since the Mark Jackson days. And I'm, I'm happy. I wanted to hear your thoughts, Maria. Thank you for your time. And shout out to the one and only company. Uh, yes, indeed. Shout out to uh, the company. I'm a fan. Jose, thank you so much for calling. I want to try to squeeze another call in here as well. So let's go to Thomas in Valley Stream. What's hey, up, Thomas? Maria, uh, great job. Thank you. I want to get that in. Great to hear a new voice. Um, I want to ask you one question about Randall and uh, Ananobi, but on the Brunson uh, point, you can just hear in that interview how intelligent and mature he is, and you could see it on the court and the way he plays. He may not be the you know an, an outlier physically, but you know that four year run at Villanova and then building in in Dallas for a few years, the Knicks really got themselves uh, a gem in this guy. And I just love that he's uh, that he's basically the the star of this uh, franchise now. I really appreciate that. He's, so, he's critical. In regards to yeah, in, in regards to Randall and Ananobi, and I, I hope they all come back before the end of the season and we can see what this team, you know, as it's you know, the the vision that it's gonna be completely constructed as. But my question to you is if only one of them could come back, because it seems like Ananobi is definitely will be back and, and Julius it's questionable. If if the scenario was only one of them could come back, who would you rather have it be? And I'll, I'll listen and hang up. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Thomas. That's um, that's an interesting question. I I'm not a huge fan of the hypothetical because, of course, they're both uh, incredibly important to the squad. And as the caller pointed out, OG Ananobi seems to be on track. I know that there was. Uh, some talk of Julius Randle potentially not ruling out surgery. Like, obviously, that's that takes it to a whole new level. But I do think he's still on track. And I think that you, you, you really need both. I know that's a bit of a cop-out answer. But in my opinion, if you're going to compete with the Celtics, if you're going to compete with the Bucks, you need everybody. Uh, because the Bucks and the Celtics still have, I think, more superstar talent and more proven talent, and especially uh, postseason experience, all those things. 
the size. I talked about the the depth at the center position in particular. You know, Isaiah Hartenstein, and even if you get Mitch Robinson back, they're not Giannis, okay, um, or even Kristaps Porzingis. So I I truly hope that we get a chance to see what this team will look like at full strength because even shorthanded, they're doing some good things. And uh, I have high hopes, but we got we to gotta hear more about Randall's prognosis. I think we get, just got to be patient with OG and Anobi. I think they can hang on for now, but they really, truly need both of those guys. All right. So have been talking a lot of hoops, and we're going to revisit all of this. So hang tight with that. But I also want to talk some baseball, and specifically with my friend Danny Wexelman. She is going to join me after the break. So we're going to talk Mets, Yankees, all that good stuff. Getting into baseball next on ESPN New York. This is the Dan Grosser Show. I'm pretty excited right now because a friend of mine, Danny Wexelman, is joining we used to work together at SNY. You might know her from MLB Network Radio. Danny, I have to say you should be you should feel pretty good about yourself because I just interrupted a whole lot of hoops talk and I gave you this primetime slot here on ESPN New York. How you doing? Oh my gosh. First of all, what an honor for me. I am so proud of you. I'm so excited for you. We worked together for a a minute, and and I felt so lucky, but just to watch what you're doing, and now you get the solo show. I am honored. I know exactly what the top of the hour means, and so I am honored and grateful <laughs> to get it with you. Yes, you do. <laughs> all those shows on Sirius XM. Okay, Danny, um, you need to catch me up on all things baseball. I want to hear your mm. thoughts on everything. Let's start with the Mets because, you know, we had the big injury news this week unfortunately with Kodai Senga won't be ready for opening day with that right shoulder strain how concerned are you just about this Mets rotation honestly I'm just glad we're not starting with pants gate and having to talk about see-through pants and uniform (laughs) pants for the season honestly I appreciate you I am not pushing the panic button yet and I don't think anybody should I think it's in Mets fans nature to say, well, why can't we have anything nice? And why does this always happen? But uh, but I'm not panicking quite yet. Now, listen, losing your ace is a huge deal, and he is their ace. And I think that's maybe more of a concern than Kodai Senga missing a little bit of time. He's going to be shut down, and then they're going to reevaluate. And this hurts early in spring, right? But listen, it's better now than later, right? Better now than later in the season when maybe this team thinks that they can be competitive. They can fight for a wild card spot better now than then. And again, I'm really more concerned about the staff as a whole than his health and missing a couple of starts. But I think the good news here, and maybe I can give a little sunlight to to our friends, our Mets fans, is that this happened last year, right? Justin Verlander out early. Then Max Scherzer out. Kodai Senga saved the staff. He single-handedly saved that staff and made a name for himself in this league. And now others will have to do that. And they can, and they're going to have to step up and step in to this rotation that is not giving me a lot of hope because I think a lot of these guys have things to prove. I don't know what kind of innings they're going to be able to give. And I think it's pretty clear the message that was sent is that we're not getting Blake Snell. We're not getting Jordan Montgomery. Our younger guys are going to have to prove themselves. And so I, I genuinely hope Senga is back healthy early in the season. If he misses starts or two, it's okay. 
I'm not too concerned. Shoulders are, are iffy. I get a little concerned with the shoulder, but, but I'm not panicking yet, Maria. And I don't think anyone should panic quite yet. Well, first of all, you always bring the sunshine. I feel better already <laughs> having spoken to you about this. I'm really glad you brought up Snell and Montgomery. <sighs> yes, I agree with you. It doesn't seem like they're, you know, going out and, and doing anything else here. But when you look at this Mets offseason, is there something more you would have liked to see them do? Yeah, a designated hitter. A true designated hitter to me would have maybe – sold me on on this message of we can be competitive, we can fight for a wild card. They're not going to win the division this year. Next year is going to be even tougher, by the way, because the Washington Nationals, you better watch out. That team is coming in 2025, hot and heavy. And so I would have loved to see them go invest in a true designated hitter, somebody who has experience with that position, somebody who knows what it's like to sit on the bench and only go to the plate, right? Mark Vientos, listen, I'm rooting for him. And the majority of his big league at-bats have been at the designated hitter position, right? But he's unproven. DJ Stewart, a journeyman, right? He's got something to prove as well. He has 37 career home runs over six seasons. That's limited playing time. Justin Turner was on the market. He could have reunited with them. J.D. Martinez is still out on the market. And to me, having a veteran bat in your lineup who knows what it takes to get that job done, but also to be able to support the other guys. I think it's silly to assume that a younger and experienced player can be your designated hitter. And, and they are lacking on the power front, right? Last season, their power, for the most part, besides where they ranked in home runs, their OPS was in the bottom half. And so I think a designated hitter would have given them some wings. But again, I think the message is clear. They're going younger and they're, they're kind of, it feels like trial and error. Let's see who can do it and who can't. Fair enough. I, th- I think you make a great point. One more on the Mets here, and then we'll we'll turn over to the Yankees. But just your thoughts on Pete Alonso and this situation, you know, his future with the Mets. Do you see him staying around long term? Gosh, what a great question, right? <laughs> what, a, what a topic that <laughs> everybody is talking about. I'd imagine... You have to guess David Stern is probably sick and tired of talking Mm. about this. And I wonder if Pete is too. He's been fantastic with the media answering questions. David Stern has as well. But at this point, we're all just going around in circles and nothing seems to be getting done. It sounds like as well from the reports that a long-term extension has not been discussed. It sends a pretty clear message when you hire Scott Boris. Right. I think that yep. tells us everything we need to know, what he thinks of his value and where he thinks he can be valued. And guess what? When you get to free agency, you deserve a fat contract. You deserve something large. That's what you earn. And especially for Pete Alonso and what he's done. So here's what stands out to me, right? What he's done in the community, saying you want to be a part of this team and that you love this team and that this is what you've envisioned for your future. That's that's really important to me. And then we look ahead, right? If you look at the free agents in the first phase market for next year. Paul Goldschmidt and Pete Alonzo are the two best guys there. I'd expect Paul Goldschmidt to be returning with the St. Louis Cardinals. And then you have Pete. So if another team is looking to upgrade, Pete's going to be there and the team's going to offer him good money. If you look at what he's done since he, he debuted in the big leagues, he has the most home runs, 192 of all first basemen. So in the last, five, I think, five seasons, right? And, and he's fifth in weighted runs created plus. That means that he is above league average 
in every way, and he's top five, and this is a guy you have to have. It'll be a huge miss. And Steve Cohen even said the other day, he knows he knows he's not tone deaf. He knows what Pete means to, to this team and to the community. It would It's not just for the optics of it, but losing the power, losing what he does for you. It's not really the glove. That doesn't do it for you. But losing that bat is going to hurt them, especially with the way that this division is trending. Absolutely. I'm I'm totally with you. And nice job, by the way, you know, summarizing that in a, in a bridge version, because I know it's um, it's a lot to get into. And I will discuss it a, a little bit more further in the show as well. But before I let you go, got to hit you with a couple of Yankees questions. Yeah, I mean, let's do it. conversely, how do you feel about the offseason they've had? Oh, my gosh. So I think in the beginning, after they traded for Juan Soto, and they gave up a haul, they gave up really good guys. Michael King in particular, to me, stands out, and that feels that feels tough, but it's worth it. It is absolutely worth it. Now you got to hope that he stays there, but you get Juan Soto. All right, your offense is getting tremendously better, exponentially better with Juan Soto. It felt like there were a lot of swing and misses when it came to other free agents. So now Marcus Stroman is a part of that rotation, which is wild, right? The the comments from him, Cashman <laughs> having to walk it back. He walked it back, and now it's like the city of brotherly love. It, it's really wild, but Stroman's going to give you consistency. Another guy that I think flew under the radar was Caleb Ferguson. They traded with the Dodgers, and they got him in the bullpen. And I'm telling you right now, if you get an arm from the Dodgers, like this guy is good. His numbers are comparable to the rest of the pen. So that's a huge sign to me. I still, I still think that getting a Blake Snell, I, I think that that changes the game. This team isn't going to win the division in my eyes, but they're absolutely going to compete for a wild card spot. And, and I feel like the offseason, maybe it didn't feel as sexy, but you guys got Juan Soto. Like, you're going <laughs> to love him. You can already see in spring training the smile, the shuffle, everything he brings to this team. I think the fans are going to love him and welcome him with open arms. And so I'm pretty pleased. I think that you could have gotten another starter, and that's still to be determined if that's the case. That changes the conversation again for me. That makes them more dangerous. But um, they have a lot to prove this year. Well, they certainly do. After what happened a season ago, I don't think uh, – I think it's safe to say no one wants to see that happening again and it's just so <laughs> strange for for this organization you know to miss the playoffs which is which is crazy to say um one more for you Danny so you know you talked about the offseason as a whole offensively defensively but I want to single out the the offense for just a moment when you talk about Judge you talk about Soto adding Verdugo like is this the most complete lineup that we've seen in a while for the Yankees I think everything hinges on health. I, I would like to say, yes, you have, listen, if DJ can be your leadoff guy and get back to, to his, his previous self, then yeah. But remind you, he's pushing 36 years old, right? Sometimes you forget he's got that baby face. He's pushing 36. You've got Juan Soto in there who I think is going to be a smash. If Judge can stay healthy, he's hopefully going to be able to protect him in the lineup. And then here's the key for me. Stanton obviously is important to all of this, but I, I think that I got to see it to believe it. Anthony Rizzo, he truly, for me, is the key to this lineup and to be able to, number one, protect Aaron Judge. And number two, this guy can produce. He, he has a proven track record time and time again. Last season with the concussion, that that really was his demise. 
But Anthony Rizzo, to me, in that cleanup spot, I think that really could help solidify where they're at. And and it's hard it's hard to remember. Maybe most fans probably blacked it out, and it kind of feels unbelievable, Maria. But they ranked 29th in batting average, 24th in OPS, and 27th in on-base percentage. So while they could hit home runs, they were top 10 in that category. This team couldn't get on base, and they couldn't bring a guy home to save their life. So even if this team is what they look like on paper, and I like them, I'm excited about Verdugo being added in. I I hope for everybody's sake that Stanton can live up to whatever expectations you have in your heart for this guy, but you got to put it together. And they had Aaron Judge last year. They had Anthony Rizzo and Stanton. They had DJ LeMahieu, right? And they weren't able to, to produce better than that, especially when Judge was hurt. So, really, there's a lot to prove. And, and I'll say this, too, and I think you'll love this. Mm. When Aaron Judge was talking about how there were parts of the season where they were embarrassed, like, what's the last time? You heard a New York Yankee, particularly their captain, use the big E word. I truly cannot remember a time that they actually admitted they were embarrassed. And I think it's a good thing, right? It feels like it's, it's gone a little soft on the dark side, and it's time to, to make people afraid again. But they have a lot to prove. Mm-hmm. But I do think this lineup can be dangerous. I think so, too. Uh, A lot to prove, a lot of fuel to the fire after what happened a season ago. Danny Wexelman, 15 minutes flew by, my friend. It's been so great to talk to you. You're lovely, and I love how you break everything down. Um, Miss you. Hopefully see you around. By the way, she is at Danny Wex on Twitter or X or whatever you call it. Go follow her. Danny, thank you so much for joining my very first solo show. Oh, my gosh. You are such a rock star. I genuinely, (laughs) this is so cool to hear you crushing it, and I'm so proud of you. So Ah. keep going, girl. I got your back, and anytime you need it, I'm here for you. Proud of you. Back at you. Thanks again. Mm -hmm. See you, Danny. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. So much fun. Okay, there is a lot that Danny talked about that I want to get into, and in particular, the Pete Alonso stuff, and and she alluded to um, some sound from Steve Cohen on a podcast that he was on. So we're going to get to that after the break. And if you're calling in, I'm so sorry if uh, you had to wait on hold, but just wait a little longer and we will definitely be talking. But we're going to take a break for right now. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. So... We just had Danny Wexelman on, and we were talking about this Pete Alonzo situation with the Mets. I want to share my thoughts on it, but first, I think it's important that we hear from Steve Cohen. Listen, we want to keep him. He's an important part of our team today, and hopefully in the future. We know the fans feel strongly about him, and I'm not toned down. Okay, like I totally understand the fans' love of Pete. I hope he hits 55 home runs and and makes it so difficult on me, you know, in free agency. So I would call that a great outcome. I would agree. That would be a great outcome. Could you imagine if Pete Alonso pulled an Aaron Judge, not necessarily expecting him to break the home run record, but, I mean, he is capable. If there's a guy that's capable, it's, it's Pete Alonso. And... I think there's there's a lot to unpack here, and I just want to be clear. I don't expect 
a long-term deal to get done at this point, whether it's now, whether it's between now and the start of the season, between Pete Alonso and the Mets. I think that ship has probably sailed. And that's why you hire Scott Boris. Correct me if I'm wrong. Scott Boris' clients want to test free agency so that they can command the most money. And so it's it's a little too late, in my opinion. Would it be nice if they could get it done? Yes, that would be like a nice fairy tale type of story. Um, and I think they should try. <laughs> but I feel like they at this point, they've probably tried. And again, it's probably too late. Um, and there's a reason that players don't like making these decisions once the season starts. I mean, they weigh on you a lot. So the fact that it hasn't happened already, I'm not going to hold my breath. Um, You remember back when Francisco Lindor didn't want to make any deals uh, once the season started? I I totally get it. And as far as Pete is concerned, I really understand fans not wanting to part with him. I mean, a homegrown player that you draft, that you develop, not only develop, but develop into a star, it's really rare. I mean, look at the Knicks and and R.J. Barrett being, you know, the first draft pick re-signed by the Knicks in 23 years, unless you count Mitchell Robinson. Like, it was so rare for them to even re-sign a player that they drafted, and now he's gone. But I say that to say that fans for the most part, are going to stay fans of the Mets, whether Alonzo stays or not. That's just what fans do. I mean, if this is the catalyst for no longer rooting for a team, I am surprised (laughs) it took you this long because Mets fans have been through way worse. But for those that remain like diehard Mets fans, it doesn't mean a split won't be painful. There's just this feeling, right? There's this feeling of he's ours. Just like there was that feeling with Judge and the Yankees and Yankees fans. Now, there's also been this idea of like, would you consider trading Alonzo at the deadline? I mean, that would be even more painful, but I'm not even going to get into that much because that all just depends. That just depends on what happens in the first half. Um, You know, they have to be in that category of sellers with no salvaging of the season or chance at making the playoffs and you know anything can happen based on what we saw a year ago I mean there were pretty lofty expectations for the Mets and I don't think anyone expected um, them to sort of fall so far so fast and uh, I mean as far as signing you know other players and this and that, that's all that's that's all gonna come later. It's it's just too soon to know, you know, how how you replace Pete. For sure, if he walks away, it's gonna be he's gonna be virtually irreplaceable. But the other thing I want to stress with this decision is it's about more than just dollars and cents. Yes, like like I said before, you hire Scott Boris, you test free agency, you're trying to get the most money, but it's, it's, I think, very difficult. And, and maybe, you know, us <laughs> regular people can't necessarily relate to the sheer amount of money that we're talking here, but we can certainly relate 
to being in a situation where you feel wanted versus you don't. And sometimes, you know, a little extra money is a form of a team saying, hey, we really want you and we do not want to let you get away. And I think that's really going to become important. And that's going to be sort of what it comes down to. Would it be nice for for both Pete, for the fans, for the team, if if he remained a Met? Absolutely. But it's just all going to it's just all going to depend. Uh, so I think I think that's something to keep in mind. I wouldn't be holding out hope on, you know, the Mets and, and Pete Alonso locking anything up or or getting anything done further. I think I think it's just too late. And we and we just have to see, you know, Steve Cohen said it. He'd be happy if he if he scored 55 home runs. He'd be happy if um, if that were the result. And therefore, the Mets were competing. So. It's still a wait and see on that. And we've had a couple of callers now holding on to talk baseball. So I'm going to go now to James in Spring Valley. What's up, James? Maria Sizmir, what's going on? Hey, um, hey. This is, my first time, this is my first time calling in to you, and I just want to say you're awesome. Keep up the good work, and Thank we need you. more women in sports. So I just want to throw that out there. So I just want to appreciate that. Of course, big shout out to the company. Now, I have um, probably a two-part question. Number one is like the expectations for both the Mets and the Yankees because I think if for a Mets, because I'm a Yankee fan, so I could say for the Yankees, the expectation is they better win the World Series. Oh, for the Mets, just well, they, they better. You you you, you don't get, you don't just get Juan Soto and don't win the World Series. I'm sorry, you, you don't make a move like that. And don't win the World Series. And for the Mets, just, 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 if you can play meaningful games in September, that's a win. Because I don't expect much for the Mets. And I'm sure when you get a lot of Mets fans callers, they'll probably say the same thing. So I'm, I want to hear your, 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 what do you think about what I just said? I think that is, is that not a microcosm of what it is to be a Yankees fan and what it is to be a Mets fan? And thank you so much for the phone call. It's like, Yankees. It's World Series or bust. You better win the World Series. And Mets, he's like, well, as long as they're playing meaningful games in September. But to be fair, to be fair, um, I think that is a, a reasonable goal for the Mets. I think their expectations, particularly for this season, have just kind of tempered. And I'm okay with that. You know, I can't say enough, like, how crazy it was last year going into the season and all the hype around it and all the expectations. And then it's just like fizzled. And I actually think that's worse. So I'd rather kind of have an idea of what we're getting into here. Um, We know it's an uphill battle, even with Sanga healthy, you know, the, the rotation has some question marks. There's, there's a lot of question marks. So I think that's perfectly fair. As far as the Yankees are concerned, it's just, Yes, of course, you always want to win the World Series. And I think they have enough now. I think this lineup is going to be drastically better. But it's just so hard to realistically say, when when I look at this team on paper, that they should be World Series champs. Because there are a lot of other teams that have something to say about that. And it's just so hard to do. But once again, thank you for the phone call. Um, let's keep it rolling with one or two calls here. Let's try to squeeze them in. And let's go to Sal and BK. 
Hey, Maria, can you hear me? I can. Good evening. Good evening. How you doing? Excellent. What's on your mind? Well, listen, um, I want to talk about the Mets, if they should, you know, maybe sign Pete Alonso. Listen, I get it. I really think they have to sign him throughout some point of the season. Because, listen, I really think I saw a quote today from Steve Cohen saying that he's going to hit home runs this season. And, listen, I think he could do better than, you know, last season. And if you go back to last season, I forgot how many home runs he had. Like, I don't know, probably 45 or something like that. But, listen, I think the Mets should sign Pete Alonso some point this season. I got something else after that. So what do you think, Maria? Uh, well, I, I appreciate it. I, I would love to see it happen. I just don't um, – I don't honestly see it happening. I think – we lost you, sadly. I think you had one other thing you wanted to say, but hopefully we'll talk to you again in the future. But while we're at it, let's talk to Tommy from New Hyde Park, and uh, he wants to talk Mets as well. Well, hi, Marie. How are you? Hey, I'm great. How are you? Good to hear your voice. You're Thank you. Great job. Appreciate it. Um, I want to talk about, like, the Mets pitching right now. Uh, we have Sanger out for a while, right? Are we interested? interested in Montgomery or Snell or anybody else. What are we doing? <laughs> That's a great question. And, and Tommy, I appreciate the phone call. And I think it's a fair one. You know, Mets fans, um, they want to see more. Uh, but I, I will say this, you know, <laughs> last season was the perfect lesson. And just because you spend money, in fact, the highest payroll in the majors last season, it does not mean that you are successful. And, it's more than just about throwing money around. It's about really being smart. And I think they want to truly build this thing the right way. I know you hear that a lot and it gets kind of old and it's kind of cliche, but it's true. And that's why you bring in David Stearns. And it just sounds like the discourse that I'm hearing out of spring training this week uh, is that it's probably not going to happen. And yes, it, it would be nice. Blake Snell's still out there. Montgomery's still out there. But it's um, it just doesn't sound like it's going to happen. Just, just based on what we've heard, you know, from Stearns, it, it seems like the Mets are kind of have their eyes on long term a little bit more. They want to compete this year for sure. Don't get me wrong. But they want to be building a solid foundation that's going to set them up for the future. And I'm not sure that now is the time to necessarily continue throwing money around. Do, do a little bit of a process here. So, um, But that being said, I do still have concerns about the rotation. Don't we all? But listen, we got to take a quick break. We'll come right back and maybe talk a little bit more baseball, see what else comes up. Um, I haven't necessarily touched on Aaron Judge yet and – Juan Soto and all that good stuff. So maybe we'll do that when we come back. But stay with me. It's Maria Marino on ESPN New York and 98.7 FM. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. I just have to go to a caller our friend Matt from New Jersey, because he's been on hold for quite a bit, and it sounds like he wants to talk about one of my favorite topics. Matt? Hey, Maria. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing, pal? I'm doing great. Uh, real fast, I've known Maria 
we've known each other on social media for quite a while. So it's great hearing you doing succeeding today. Well, wait, your voice sounds so familiar. <laughs> You're going to have to reach out to me and tell me. Um, I mean, but it's, it's, uh, it's, Matt, it's Matt Zofchek. Amazing. Hey, Matt, how's it going? Good, 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 good. So I know that you're a big Peyton Clark fan. So oh, I yeah. Figured, why not call in about Caitlin? <laughs> so my uh, my question for you is how do you, first of all, how do you think she'll be able to handle being that number one um, pick going into the WNBA this year? And do you think she'll kind of struggle a little bit, you know, find her footing? And what do you think her impact will be at that level? Like, will she be the type of player that draws in fans, kind of like LeBron or Giannis? Well, first of all, Matt, thank you so much for the phone call and for the support and kind words. It means a lot. And I love that you called in to talk about a topic near and dear to my heart. I cover a lot of uh, women's college basketball. I've even started doing some play-by-play as well. And look, Caitlin Clark is an absolute phenomenon. Uh, We just saw her break the NCAA women's all-time scoring record. And there's probably, there's a good chance that she's going to break the all-time scoring record, uh, men's or women's. Pistol Pete Maravich, watch your back. Uh, So, look, she is, um, you know, look, no one's quite LeBron, right? LeBron, I think, had one of the most unique paths where, I mean, we knew about him. We were watching him on TV when he was in high school. He goes straight to the NBA. The rules in the WNBA are a little bit different. You got to be older. You got to um, have you have to have completed at least three years of school. And she's done that. She is a true senior. Um, now she could potentially come back for another uh, year of eligibility because of the COVID year. She hasn't said yet what her decision is going to be. I personally think she's probably going to go ahead and go to the draft where the Indiana Fever have the number one pick. And she is, of course, expected to go number one. She leads D1 in both scoring and assists. Uh, It's only the second time that's happened on the women's side. The first time was her a couple seasons ago. And uh, on the men's side, it was Trey Young. So she is a a talent. Um, I feel like she was honestly pro-ready when she was a freshman. Like, I truly remember watching her as a freshman her size, she's a big guard at, um, I want to say 6'1 or so, and um, her court vision elite, obviously her scoring. And I think we're going to see, much like we did last year with Aaliyah Boston going to the Fever and being the Rookie of the Year and being an All-Star, we're going to see that with Caitlin Clark. But Matt, I could I could go on and on about her, but um, I know we're here in New York and I should probably get back to talking some baseball, but thanks again for the call. And someone else has been on hold, so I'm going to go to Griffin in Connecticut as well. Griffin, what's up? Marina, I am a big fan of you. I've always been a big fan of you for a while. So congratulations on uh, on on getting um, on doing this uh, show. Thank show you. Today. Um, I've been I followed you for a while because. Um, I'm a big UConn woman fan, so I've seen you when you've done those games on the sidelines a lot. So wow, it was very sad when you left. When you left, I was very sad because I loved what you did. And because not many people can get stuff out of Gino, and you were you <laughs> did awesome. You were able to get so much stuff out of him, and that's so hard to do. So well, I, I really appreciate you calling Griffin. That's that's so sweet. I who would have thought? I wasn't expecting this to become the the women's basketball segment here on the show, but it's fitting real, for me. 
real quick, Marino, before before uh, before you let me go, um, what is it? Just do you? I feel I feel like this is amazing to just see Paige come back and be who she is this year after all the injuries that she has dealt with before, and to come back and do what she's doing this year is really, I think, something. I think so too, and I, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought it up, Griffin. Um, you know, this is a when you juxtapose Paige Beckers with Caitlin Clark, you know, Paige was a player of the year, national player of the year, her freshman year. And she's gotten better, but she, unlike Caitlin, has dealt with significant injuries and she's had to miss a lot of time, missed all of last season with a torn ACL. And uh, whereas I talked about Caitlin's likely going to go to the pros, Paige has said that she's going to come back and she's going to use her final. Well, actually, she could have even more availability because technically she had a redshirt year. Um, but you can tell she's she's playing fantastic overall, um, super efficient, uh, just a, a leader and also just one of the best people that I've ever had the pleasure of covering. She was just always so great when I was around her and her teammates and coaches just absolutely rave about her as a person and as a human. But that being said, um, I think she has more that she wants to accomplish. And she came, she went to UConn because she wanted to win a championship. And because of not just her injury, but a rash of injuries, like unprecedented amount of injuries to the UConn program over the past couple of years. It just hasn't panned out that way. She still wants to compete this year. They're going to make a run. Uh, but she she came to UConn on a mission, and I'm really excited for her to do what's best for her and her life and her career and excited to see more of Paige at UConn. And the WNBA will be ready and willing when she is um, wanting to go. But Griffin, thanks again. Yep. Have a good one, Marino. You too. Later. Wow. Totally wasn't expecting that. I promised you guys I was going to talk more baseball. But hey, I got to, you know, feed into the callers now and again. And um, that was a good excuse to to talk a little women's hoops. But... This time, I promise I will talk baseball on the other side of the break. Maria Marino here with you on ESPN New York until 9 o'clock. And by the way, we are going to get more into NBA in the 8 o'clock hour, as is, you know, my style. Uh, Joe Delera is going to join us at the top of the hour. So stick around. A lot to do. I'll be right back. Expectations for the Yankees this season. And I, I don't think there's any way that you can't be excited. I think the the issue is, as, as a caller alluded to earlier, and you hear it all the time on sports radio, the expectations are just so high. Um, but no more than they would be any other year if it weren't for the fact that the Yankees actually missed the playoffs last year. Oh, my goodness. Travesty. It's, it's, it's crazy how how I hate to say it, but kind of spoiled Yankees fans are with, you know, competing. And that's what you want from your organization. But I think they have done quite a bit this off season where they are saying, Hey, we, we hear you fans. I mean, going out and trading for Juan Soto, that is huge. And I'm, I'm actually getting excited now envisioning what this lineup could look like. I really feel like it could be one of the strongest that they've had in recent memory. I think the year before last, and 
it's evidenced by the fact that they, you know, ended up losing in the ALCS. But it was the lineup was a bit flawed. I think Judge, he was so good. I mean, he was breaking records and he was, you know, batting over 300 and, you know, the the wins above replacement. And he was an MVP for good reason, but he covered up a lot of flaws. I mean, he essentially carried the offense. That's why he was the MVP. And so then last season, of course, of course it fell apart with him missing a huge chunk of the season. And then even when he did come back, uh, there were some flaws. But now... And by the way, I feel like it's it's pretty amazing what he was able to do in 2022 with what was around him. Now, he actually has some better hitters for average around him. He's going to have Soto there, um, Verdugo, and l- some lefties mixed into the lineup. The hitting overall for this team, theoretically, should come easier. I mean, I... Uh, being the hoops junkie that I am, like I think about Steph Curry when he's on the floor for the Warriors versus when he he's not. I mean, his presence just open things up, opens things up so much. And the only the only concern, not the only, but a concern, it, it sucks. <laughs> it just flat out sucks that this like fluke toe injury that he had and like the way that he had it is probably going to require just like constant maintenance for the rest of his career. Like that's. That's a little bit annoying. But overall, I think there's a lot to be excited about. And I think that I think that Yankees fans should like not get ahead of themselves and automatically start assuming all the things that could go wrong. Get back to sort of appreciating that, you know, the front office has done some things. I think they have heard heard a lot of the fans please. And that's that's important. They're going for it. Like, they are truly going for it. I think when you when you compare it to what the Mets are doing, there's this sense of there's not necessarily a belief that, hey, we can win a championship this year. And, and I'm not saying that that means everything because, I mean, look what happened a year ago. It, you just never know. But it seems like they truly feel, and, and, and listening to Hal Steinbrenner this week, that they are they're going for it. And they and they absolutely should because you have Judge on the contract now. You have Soto, and I wouldn't even worry about what he's going to do in free agency. Worry about right now. You have this guy. He's by all accounts a generational talent. He's won before. And what better audition to be on the Yankees long term than to go out there and just win, just win, and you would be shocked at how everything else just kind of falls into place as far as the future of this team but I just I wouldn't get too ahead of yourselves like enjoy this hopefully you know you get through the next six weeks or so of spring training without any you know major injury setbacks but this is a team that should be able to do some damage and I think when you look at the division I could see Baltimore potentially regressing a little bit. Like, are they? You think they're going to win 101 win, uh, 101 games again? Maybe it's going to be tough. Tampa Bay. I'm always. I I would always be a little concerned because they just they never seem to like actually rebuild. They're just always retooling. Um, but you know, and Toronto's going to be in the mix. But like, 
the Yankees should be in the mix for the division. And I'm I'm just looking forward to them sort of getting back to relevance. And it, it's just wild when you think back to, like, Judge as a rookie, you know, losing to the ALCS 4-3. Oh, God, I'm so sorry for Yankees fans bringing that up. It's like it's like salt in a wound, right? It's horrible. Um, but you thought at that time, okay, like the Yankees are going to get there. They're going to get back on top. And it is pretty wild to see what has transpired over the last several years. And, you know, not being able to get back there, it's just so hard to do. But I really, truly feel like they're on to something here. The ownership is investing. Now, granted, um, Hal pretty much alluded to, look, if we're going <laughs> to make any other moves, like he'll listen. They're always looking to improve the team. But that pesky luxury tax makes it hard when you basically end up paying double for any addition um, that you would make. So I, would, I wouldn't hold my breath on that. Uh, and I think that's okay. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised just because this is a crazy, it's a crazy world in MLB free agency and just how long it, it drags out and um, who, who knows what happens. Things happen in spring training, right? So we could see more moves. But that being said, I think the Yankees have done quite a bit and I'm not necessarily expecting them to do more at least right now, let's see where we're at at the trade deadline. You know, let's see if they're really going to go all in. That's what I'm curious to see. But we got to get there first and just chill. Just chill a little bit. I think I think this could be fun. This is, could be a really fun year for the Yankees. All right. What's also going to be really fun is on the other side of a break, we're going to talk to my pal Joe Delera about some NBA. He's my colleague at Action Network, so I'm really looking forward to that. And by the way, don't forget to call me, 800-919-ESPN or 800-919-3776. Line up some of those calls for After Joe later in the 8 o'clock hour. But for now, I'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back.